Hello and welcome to JG Ministries Bible Study, where we study God's Word. As always, I'm Jeffrey, Minister and Chaplain at JG Ministries, and I'm glad you joined us for another episode. If you have your Bibles, turn to chapter 17, verse 22 of the book of Luke, and let's get into it. Now, last time we took a look at the healing by Jesus of 10 lepers. And I want to pick up with verse 22 to finish out chapter 17. So turn with me to verse 22 and let's reread some scripture. Then he said to the disciples, The days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look here or look there. Do not go after them or follow them. For as a lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of the Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whosoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night there will be two men, one in bed, the one will be taken, and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together, the one will be taken, and the other left. Two men will be in the field, the one will be taken, and the other left. And they answered, and they said to him, Where, Lord? So he said to them, Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Now, taking a look at verse 22 to 25, Jesus continues the emphasis on the suddenness of the kingdom's coming. One of the days probably refers to the initiation of the reign of the coming Son of Man. When that day arrives, his coming will be obvious, like lightning. Thus, rumors of seeing him in various places cannot be true. Speaking to the Pharisees, the Lord described the kingdom as something that had already come. When he turned to his disciples, he spoke about the kingdom as a future event, which would be set up at his second coming. But first he described the period that would intervene between his first and second advents. The days would come when the disciples would desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but would not see it. In other words, they would long for one of the days when he was with them on earth. And they enjoyed sweet fellowship with him. Those days were, in a sense, foretastes of the time he would return in power and great glory. Many false Christs would arise, and rulers would announce that the Messiah had come. 
But his followers were not to be deceived by any such false claims. Christ's second advent would be as visible and unmistakable as the lightning which streaks from one part of the sky to the other. And again, the Lord Jesus told the disciples that before any of this could come to pass, he himself would suffer many great things and be rejected by the generation. The inclusion of the passion prediction is natural in Luke, who stresses the order of suffering before glory. This generation may obliquely refer back to the Pharisees. More broadly, it refers to Jesus, or to Jesus' contemporaries, elsewhere called by him unbelieving and perverse and wicked. As we arrive upon verses 26 and 27, we have Jesus' references to Noah and Lot to serve to illustrate the suddenness of the revelation of the Son of Man. The words eating and drinking, etc., describe the usual round of life's activities that were taking place when unexpected destruction came as a judgment during the time of Noah and of Lot. A God will similarly interrupt human affairs at the consummation of history, indeed of the kingdom of God itself, when he reveals the Son of Man. Turning back to the subject of his coming to reign, the Lord taught that the days immediately preceding that glorious event will be like the days of Noah. People ate, they drank, they married, they were given in marriage. These things are not wrong. They are normal, legitimate human activities. The evil was that men lived for these things and had no thought nor time for God. After Noah and his family entered the ark, the flood came and destroyed the rest of the population. So the second coming of Christ would mean judgment for those who reject his offer of mercy. And again, as we see in verses 28 to 30, the Lord said that the days preceding his second advent would be similar to those of Lot. Civilization had advanced somewhat by that time, midnight only ate and drank, but they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. It was man's effort to bring in a golden era of peace and prosperity without God. On the very day that Lot, his wife and daughters went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed the wicked city. So it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Those who concentrate on pleasure, self-gratification, and commerce will be destroyed. Verse 31, we see it will be a day when attachment to earthly things will imperil a man's life. If he is on the housetop, he should not try to salvage any possessions from his house. If he's out in the field, he should not turn back to his house. He should flee from those places where judgment is about to fall. And in verse 32, although Lot's wife was taken almost by force out of Sodom, her heart remained in the city. And this was indicated by the fact that she turned back. 
She was out of Sodom, but Sodom was not out of her. And as a result, God destroyed her by turning her into a pillar of salt. Leading us into verse 33, whoever seeks to save his life by caring only for physical safety, not caring for his soul, will lose it. On the other hand, anyone who loses his life during this period of tribulation because of faithfulness to the Lord will actually preserve it for all eternity. The sudden coming of the Son of Man leaves no time even for a quick gathering of possession from one's home. This theme of eminency blends into a call for decision between eternal values and present possession. A lot's wife was reluctant to leave her old life. She looked back to Sodom. And this leads to the saying in verse 33 regarding discipleship used here with a very concrete application. And the Lord's coming will be a time of separation. As we take a look at verses 34 to 36, two men will be sleeping in one bed. One will be taken away in judgment. The other, a believer, will be spared to enter Christ's kingdom. We have two women who will be grinding together. The one, an unbeliever, will be taken away in the storm of God's wrath. The other, a child of God, will be spared to enjoy millennial blessings with Christ. And incidentally, verses 34 and 35 accord with the rotundity of the earth. The fact that it will be night in one part of the earth and day in another as indicated by the activities mentioned, display scientific knowledge not discovered till many years later. The solemn words I tell you in verse 34 introduce a warning that the return of the Lord re reveals ultimate destinies. Even those closely associated in bed and at work are separated. One's taken into fellowship with God, the other abandoned to judgment. The two illustrations reflect activities that are selected to show that the Son of Man could come at any time, day or night. And we see in verse 37, the Pharisees had asked, <clears throat> when? We saw in verse 20, the disciples asked, where? For us, Jesus' reply is somewhat obscure. The hovering vultures may symbolize judgment on the spiritually dead. Also, they may merely represent the place of carnage. The disciples fully understood from the Savior's words that his second advent, his second coming, would be catastrophic judgment from heaven on an apostate world. So they asked the Lord where this judgment would fall. His answer was that wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. The eagles or vultures symbolize this impending judgment. The answer, therefore, is that judgments would swoop down on every form of unbelief and rebellion against God, no matter where found. In chapter 17, the Lord Jesus had warned the disciples that afflictions and persecutions lay ahead. Before the time of his glorious appearing, they would be required to go through deep trials. 
By a way of preparation, the Savior gives further instruction concerning prayer. In the flowing verses, we find a praying widow, a praying Pharisee, a praying tax collector, and even a praying beggar. And to finish up chapter 17, to the Pharisees, Jesus said, The kingdom of God is within you. It is a matter of the heart. When his thoughts moved ahead to the future, and he talked to the disciples about the glorious day when he would come in power with the redeemed of all ages. With that, we close chapter 17. Next time, we begin a new chapter, chapter 18, and we'll begin with the parable of the persistent widow. So until then, God bless you, and keep living Christian strong.